Hello, basketball fans. Welcome to a new episode of your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. I am your host, LaChina Robinson, joined as always by my fantastic and fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby. And we have a... Another great podcast planned for you today. We have a very special guest, one of our favorites, ESPN and ESPNW writer Michelle Vopel will join us because there's a lot happening right now around the women's game. The WNBA did announce that there will be an all-star game. Yes, we are pumped for that, for the fans, for the players, for all of us media who love All-Star Weekend. It is going down in Vegas. So we will talk a little bit about that, about the format and how you can get in on the voting We will also touch base on big news out of USA basketball. They have named our national team that will compete for their seventh straight gold medal in Tokyo. And we have named our USA Olympic three-on-three team. Congratulations to Kelsey Plum, Katie Lou Samuelson, Alicia Gray, and also Stephanie Dolson, head coach Carol Lawson, that will compete on the three-on-three side On the USA women's national roster, really, really excited for everyone. I mean, we talk about it all the time, how hard it is to make the USA roster, how we have 144 of the best players in the world in the WNBA. So to make this roster and to get an opportunity to represent your country, I can't even imagine what that is like and what it was like to receive that phone call. So if you missed it, On this year's Olympic team, Ariel Atkins, the Washington Mystics, Sue Bird, who will play for her fifth straight gold, Tina Charles, Nafisa Collier, Skylar Diggins-Smith, Sylvia Fowles, Chelsea Gray out of Duke University, Brittany Griner, Jewel Lloyd, Brianna Stewart, Diana Taurasi, who's also going for five, uh, and Asia Wilson. The staff, Don Staley, Dan Hughes, Cheryl Reed, and Jen Rosati. So congratulations to all. We are super pumped about Tokyo. And at the same time, there's been a lot of controversy and a lot of conversation this week. And that's where Michelle Vopel comes in because there are a lot of disappointed fans, members of the media, players of the WNBA, that Neka Agumake, the former WNBA MVP and WNBA champion of the LA Sparks, was not a member of this 12-player roster. Now, again, this is a stout roster, right? And USA has so many great players. But Neka, as we'll talk about a little bit later, um, this has been a life goal of hers, and she's put herself in position after being snubbed once, some people say twice, off the Olympic roster. Um, She's worked really hard to put herself in position to be selected. And I just want to say, before we even get into that conversation, if you listen to our podcast, you know, we give everyone in women's basketball their love. That's what we do on this podcast. We believe in this sport. You know, all, all thoughts and ideas are welcome. Obviously, Tariq and I are journalists, so it's our job to put all opinions and thoughts out there. Um, And I have, I expressed my disappointment that NECA was not selected on Twitter. I know you did as well, Tarika, but um, whether it's Gino Oriema or whether it's who should or should not be on the team, these are all topics that we are exploring and talking about because women's basketball deserves it. Transparency is something we have to have in our sport. Discussion and debate is something that we have to have in our sport because we need growth and 
any of us that has a job, whether it's at ESPN, whether it's down the street at Office Depot, like people can weigh in on how they feel about the way we do our jobs. I worked at Sports Authority. I was not good at restocking the tennis shoes. Like I always messed it up, Tarika. You know what I'm saying? And so on my evaluations, I would get some feedback. There, there's always things that people um, can say, want to say, or whatever about about various things. And I just want to set the table to say that you can also weigh in on this discussion because it is an important one. You know, NECA is someone who has been valuable to our sport. Um, the USA basketball selection process is something that we all don't really know a lot about, um, but it's important. So anyway, as, as usual, Tariq and I are, are bringing you what we feel like is um, a discussion that needs to be had. Anything else, Tarika? No, but I will say if anyone wants to weigh in, they definitely can send us an email at aroundtherimpodcast at gmail.com after they've listened. We'd love to hear what your thoughts are on this topic. All right. And with that, let's jump into the pod. All right, basketball fans. Well, um, you may have noticed there was a huge void in our ESPN coverage for a while as we were missing one of our favorite writers and she was getting a little much deserved R&R and that is none other than the GOAT herself, Michelle Vopel. Welcome back, Michelle. Hey, Latrina, thank you. Yeah, we, we were missing you. I was like, wait a minute, where is Michelle? And um, you know, one thing about those of us that cover sport 24 seven is it's hard to get a break, right? Like women's basketball calendar for people that always say, well, when is your off season? It, there really isn't one. I mean, it's a sport that for the college season technically starts in October. That's where most practices tip off. That's when you start preseason. And even before that, with what you do with who's going to be the top 25, you know, what should you be looking for in the schedule? Like you have to be way ahead of the curve. And what's also happening in October is WNBA season's ending. So it's a beginning and an ending in a, in a job that as much as we love, it can be very taxing. So we're happy that you were able to get away um, and, and get a little time off. Now, with that being said, coming back on the scene, there is so much happening in our, in our sport and it's an exciting time, right? We've got the season that's going, everyone's looking at the commissioner cup scores. Uh, we just had our Olympic team named, which we will get to that in a moment. Um, but there's going to be a WNBA all-star game this summer. Let's start there because it's not easy for the league to pull this off, right? Um, in a summer where there is an Olympics happening historically, that's been a tough time to have an all-star because USA and, and very understandably wants to have as much time as they can with, you know, their players together and gelling and, and doing all the things they need to do to get ready for Tokyo. And yet we find ourselves having an all-star. It will take place in Vegas on July 14th. Uh, voting is actually open as we speak. It started June 15th. You can vote on the WNBA app or WNBA.com and voting ends on June 27th. Now the makeup or the format of this game will be the WNBA all-stars, which it's an all-star game. So yes, there will be one team of all-stars and the other team will be comprised of our USA basketball women's to that aspect of it, Michelle, just curious, you know, your thoughts. I know one thing that stands out to me. So let's talk about this voting process. <laughs> there's, 
<laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. So fans will get to vote, but this is how the voting breaks down percentage-wise. So 50% of the vote goes to fans. 25% of the vote goes to current WNBA players, which I've heard WNBA player voting can be not only a little messy, but also maybe a little dismal in terms of participation. Mm -hmm. And then there's us, the media, so kind, to give us 25% of the vote. But... The coaches, the head coaches of the league will get the final say in terms of picking the team from that pool of players, 36, that will come out of that voting structure that I just mentioned. Well, how do you feel about that, Michelle? Um, not crazy about it. Here's my thing that I've always thought with China, and I'm totally okay if, if people don't, dis don't agree with me on this, but um, I've always thought All-Star Games are for fans. And um, there's sometimes an issue with that because people's bonuses get, get tied to all-star and, and things like that. But by the same token, to me, fans are what exhibitions are about, you know, and I say that for, you know, the all-stars and all-star games and other sports too, because, you know, and I was a little kid, um, I remember how much I look forward to voting for the baseball all-star game, you know, get my ballot and, um, studying in those pre-internet days. Um, so I always kind of think like, I, I like the fans to have a big say in it. Um, it seems weird to me that we're, that we're going to have all this voting and then the coaches then end up making the choices. That seems a little odd to me. And, you know, it was another one of those when you, you know, you get the WNBA release and you read it and you read through it again. I got this right. Okay. So that that's my that was my initial thought when it when it came over that it was going to be that way. Yeah, I actually had to call Ron Howard at the league <laughs> office and have him walk me through exactly right. what this was going to look like because I was like, wait, now what are we doing again? And you know, there's been some confusions and co confusion and conversation with the fans. They're like, well, what if I want to vote for one of the Olympic? players as my all-star how does that work when it comes to voting and obviously you know they're going to take the top 36 vote getters outside of the 12 on the olympic roster so i mean i, I get it, it works but i'm just not a fan of the head coaches getting the final vote because then i'm like well what are we doing um because right. number one what if like a coach doesn't necessarily care for a player or what if there's a coach who, you know, doesn't like another coach, so they're not going to invite their, they're not going to vote their players on. Now, WBA coaches, I'm not saying you guys are petty. All I am saying, though, is that it's tough sometimes in these situations to uh, not be subjective, you know, to be objective completely. And for something like All-Star, that means so much to players. And I think that's, to your point, where we often get All-Star maybe confused is that, I also feel like it's for the fans, mm -hmm. but the fans sometimes feel like it becomes a popularity contest more so sure. than a who deserves to be an all-star because all-star now means I'm one of the best players in the league. I get to play on this day. I get this bonus, but maybe it's just who the fans like the most. Like, is, is that a problem? Um, I guess I don't think so, but that, that's why I don't, I don't, get in when when this the all-star um debate again I, I i keep going back to baseball because growing up you know when whenever the 
the all-star thing came out, then me and my friends would debate forever, you know, okay, well, these fans are idiots because they did this, whatever. But ultimately then it was okay. Well, but this is who the fans want to see. So I always sort of thought of all-star like that. Um, if it's so, but I kind of agree with you also, it is still a big deal. Yeah. I don't know this is a big deal. It's, I don't know that it's a big deal anymore with some sports, but I think it is still a big deal in um, in women's basketball and the WNBA. So I kind of feel like the slash media slash fan vote is a should be a pretty good way to go. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's my thought. And and I don't know that the coaches need to be involved in they they control enough stuff. Right. <laughs> exactly. They get to go for the all defensive team. But yeah, I mean, when I introduce players, sometimes I use the number of all-star selections when I introduce Mm -hmm. them, you know, I'll say eight time all-star, four time all-star. And, you know, that's something that, you know, that people say, oh, wow. Okay. Then that means she's, she's really good or she's the cream of the crop. Um, So yeah, very interesting conversation. So we'll see what happens there. Um, But again, there will be an all-star game. And if you want to watch on television, which we hope everyone will, it will be broadcasted on ESPN, seven o'clock tip. That's July 14th. So make sure you are there. All right. So happening at the same time as the USA women's basketball team will be holding their training camp in Vegas. Um, If a player for USA basketball is unable to participate in the all-star game, by the way, USA Basketball will appoint a replacement. Should a member of Team WNBA be unable to play for any reason, Commissioner Kathy Engelbert will name a replacement. So just in case anyone's interested in knowing that. The USA Women's National Team roster is was a much-anticipated announcement, right? I mean, we have to go back to 92 was the last year that our USA Women's Team did not land the gold medal. I think they won something like 49 straight games in an international competition, something like that. Uh, so we've been dominant for a while now. And there seems to be a lot of... Um, behind the curtains, curtains, if you will, conversation when it comes to the selection process. I don't think very many of us really understand what's underneath that veil in terms of how the national team is selected and and who's on the committee, though I know we'll get to that in a minute as far as this year's team. But long story short, um, it's a process that I know I wouldn't probably want the job of, of doing, though I do pick my own team every year. But we have an extremely, extremely talented pool of candidates in the WNBA. I mean, we've got the best women's basketball players in the world. So narrowing it down to 12, I mean, that job has to be one of the hardest jobs ever. And um, we knew coming into this year that with Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird, you know, on their way out, which I think, I don't think there was any question that the two of them were going to make the team, whether you agree with that or not, I knew it was going to happen. They're both going for their fifth gold medal. Is that right, Michelle? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which has only been done by Teresa Edwards. So there were some things we knew, but we knew that with them kind of cycling out, there would be some new blood and everyone's been saying for years, there need to be new faces on, on the Olympic roster. Well, that prayer was answered because along with Sue Bird, Diana Taurasi and Sylvia Fowles, Tina Charles, Brittany Griner, Brianna Stewart, congratulations to all of you guys. They all have been to the Olympics, we have several new faces. Jewel Lloyd, Asia Wilson, Ariel Atkins, Nafisa Collier, Chelsea Gray, 
Skylar Diggins Smith. So first and foremost, congratulations to everyone because to be one of the best or really honestly, the best 12 players in the world is, I mean, God, I mean, that's what this says. That's what your selection to this team is saying. But this happened, the selection happened with some controversy around Neka Agumake. And I know you've put some thoughts out there, Michelle. I've put some thoughts out there. Make the case for us um, as to why people are so upset that Neka Ogumike was not named to the Olympic team. Yeah. Um, so sort of to paraphrase Derek Fisher yesterday, where to start, right? Because <laughs> there's a lot to say about this. But I think it crystallizes for me like this. They have, meaning USA Basketball, has moved the goalposts now three times on NECA and over the course of three Olympic cycles, which she's when this started, she would have been 22 for the first Olympics as a professional. And now she's 31. And to, to me, to do that to somebody who has been um, not just a monumental figure on the court, um, an MVP player, a champion of, you know, four times went to the final four when she was at Stanford, but has been one of the most important players, I think, in the history of the WNBA and what she's done off the court. And that should matter to USA basketball because 100% of their players are coming from the WNBA. Um, so you may say, when I say move the goalposts, and I'll, and I'll try to make this quick, but I think it's important because we're not just talking about this year. And you know that, LaChina, this is about the, the history of what's happened. When she was uh, the number one draft pick back in 2012, there was no reason in my mind she wasn't on that team. It was a perfect time to bring in a young star. And they had done that with the last two number one draft picks, Diana Tarazi and Candace Parker. And they did it in 2016 with Brianna Stewart. They didn't do it with Neka Agumwake. That was a really experienced team in the post, even though Lisa Leslie had finished her national team career. That, that 2012 team, you know, had Candace Parker, it had Tamika Catchings, Sylvia Fowles, Tina Charles. Uh, then you had wings like Angel McCautry and Maya Moore, very experienced guards with Sue and Diana, Lindsay Whalen, Simone Augustus. It was a perfect time to bring in your new young face that who also, you know, was, was um, just had this incredible personality, right? She was everything you, you would want. And they didn't do that. They took two players that were Connecticut graduates. And I am not disparaging either of those players. They were great players. Some um, Swin Cash and, and Asia, Asia Jones. Jones. Yep. But in, in my mind, and I will just say this, I don't, I don't think that was the right choice. One or the other would be fine. But that other spot should have gone to Neka Agumwake. They didn't need two more post players in their 30s. They had plenty of experience on that team. So that meant half that team was Connecticut graduates and coach Gino Aramis first year coaching, being head coach to the USA basketball team. So at that point, then the goalpost is, oh, hey, we want more experienced players. That's what they said. That's why we don't have NECA. Four years later, both Candace Parker, who was 30, a two-time MVP and a two-time Olympian, didn't make the team. NECA Gumwake didn't make the team. And Brianna Stewart did. 
That team was picked in April of 2016 before Brianna Stewart had ever played a professional game. Now, Stewie's a phenomenal player. We know that. We've seen that. But my point is, again, the goalposts moved. The previous Olympics is, oh, we need more experience. Now it's, oh, now we've got to make sure we get the young star in. So these Olympics, you're going to say, okay, it's got to be NECA's turn now, right? Like she's going to be 31 next week. She's done everything you've asked of her. She was on your core of eight players that they named back in 2019, 2020. And she was one of the best players. She played all the games. She was MVP of a qualifying tournament. Goalposts move again. No. And they're saying, well, I say they're saying because Don Staley's been the only one who's who's not on the selection committee who has said this publicly, that it was because of the injury that NECA has, which is a sprained knee. Diana Trazi has a crack in her sternum. And, you know, the the I guess the argument will be, well, she, we're thinking she's going to come back this week and NECA might be another week or two weeks. And I'm like, okay, hold on a minute. <laughs> the team had to be like announced yesterday, like, or given to, I guess the, the USOC slash IOC, it was the 23rd of June. So Diana's not back yet either. We think she's coming back this week. She's 39. She's eight years older than NECA but they're giving her the benefit of the doubt. She's going to be just fine physically. And you're not giving that benefit of the doubt to Neka Gumuke. So that's what I'm talking about, about goalposts moving over the course of nine years and three Olympic cycles. And this happening to the same person for all of those, because I think you could easily say she should be a three-time Olympian now, not a no-time Olympian. I'm miffed, Michelle. I am. And when we start to pull back the layers and the conversations are happening, um, it feels like there are more people paying attention now than maybe four years ago when Candace Parker and Neka Gumake were left out of the Olympic. You know, that conversation got broader because LA did win the championship this year, that year, and, and Candace and Neka seemed very motivated by, you know, being left out. But whether it's Damian Lillard or Lisa Leslie or Candace Parker herself. I mean, we're hearing a lot of people really speaking out. And one of them is obviously her sister, Chanae, um, who right after the announcement, you know, read a very passionate and pointed note on Twitter about, you know, her sister being left off and, and amongst some of her words put down all of the accomplishments of Neko Gumake and, one thing that stands out to me, and this is where I think, like you said, the goalpost keeps moving is NECA has done everything to put herself in position to be selected, including making sure that she has not missed a USA competition, to my knowledge, in the competitions that she was invited to since the last Olympics. So criteria from what we understand when it comes to USA basketball, and I won't say this is official or they've said it, but I've heard it. Is like, you've got to go to the events and there may be some extra consideration for players that came up through the USA basketball pipeline, right? So if you were high school USA or if you were, you know, previously affiliated, that's something that, that works in your favor. You know, we hear about all of these things, but what can you tell us that you know about this selection committee? And is there a true window around injury like is there something that says in in usa basketball policy if you're not cleared 
this number of days prior to the, the first competition, then you're unable to participate. Cause at this point, that's a gray area. And there are too many gray areas in, in, in this process of selecting our national team. It just seems like it's kind of getting out of hand. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's right is, is how much is gray about it. Where this topic always can get difficult talking about it um, is that some of the things I'm going to say people are going to perceive as being critical of Connecticut and UConn's great presence, if you will, on the national team. And it's not. I'm not anti-UConn. I'm not criticizing UConn, criticizing Gino Arama, criticizing any of that. But I will say that over the last 10 years, especially in three Olympic cycles, USA basketball is awful cozy with UConn to the point that it makes people wonder about how much influence um, Coach Orema has on this team. He was a coach for two cycles and now he's on the committee. And I think if there were anybody that had that stretch, that had that much power because frankly I don't think he was the coach and didn't weigh in at all on the committee I just don't think I buy that Mm -hmm. um so I think if it were anybody else we'd we'd still be talking about it so this is really about the process not necessarily who's involved in the process um although they are who's involved in the process now people will say well wait a minute this is a great program a, a great coach what's your problem? You're being a hater. No, I'm not being a hater. What I'm saying is this is the national team. And you can look at a lot of situations, including the one that I just laid out in detail, where one person um, three different times is denied. And you have to question that. At least I do. And, And I don't think I'd be a good journalist if I wasn't questioning it. What you said about uh, what are the rules about injuries? Do any of us know? I don't know. I don't know that there's something in USA's charter. They haven't said it. Um, one of the things USA basketball does is they'll generally say, and this happened with Candace uh, back in 2016, we don't talk about who we don't pick. And the idea is that they don't want to be saying, oh, we, we don't want to say anything negative about anybody it is the reason they didn't make it. But then it also becomes kind of a convenient way to not talk about it when it's controversial so that's problematic as well um and and so then what are you left with you know coaches a lot of times are going to be college coaches um are going to be hesitant and even maybe WNBA coaches to say much about USA basketball because they don't want to damage their future kids chances mm-hmm. there's a lot of power with a pretty small group Mm-hmm. to determine something that is a lifelong dream. And 99.9% of the people on the planet are never going to be in the Olympics, but Nekagumake is in that, you know, whatever tiny percent. And this is a big dream for her. And she's had it denied three times. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm okay with that because I'm not. She's the only former MVP, the only player to be named MVP in the WNBA's now 25 seasons that has not made an Olympic roster. And that's 15 people. That's 15 people um, because we've had multiple winners, but think of that. 
Yep. 14 of 15. And obviously that includes Lauren Jackson uh, with the, with the Australian national team, one person. And she's been on three cycles, <laughs> you know, and she's been eligible for three. Yeah. And we, you know, Cheney made it clear that NECA's window, you know, and her sister, I trust her. We, we, you know, Cheney's our colleague. She said her window was, was perfect for her to return in time. LA has one of the best trainers, as we know, in the WNBA and Courtney Watson, um, you know, I, 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 and not that Don was privy to, and that's what I don't know, like how much was Don privy to what the selection committee's thought process was, but she obviously keeps with the, up with the league, knowing that NECA was hurt by saying that, but that's what caused a lot of initial confusion with people that were like, wait, 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 but Diana's hurt. So how was this looked at differently? And is NECA going to be back in time to return? Um, it's very interesting. And there's also been conversations I've seen about Nike and Adidas, right? Like Candace Parker and Nike and, and NECA both being Adidas athletes. So there are Adidas athletes on the roster and Chelsea Gray, mm-hmm. and, um, but Skylar's with Puma. So there are other athletes with other shoe endorsements, but that's something that people have asked me about. Like, is, does that matter? I don't know, you know, how those things come into play, but um I think transparency would help so many of us because Michelle's you and I talk about all the time is the women's basketball world. We're all trying to grow this sport. It should be the WNBA, USA basketball, you know, NCAA. We should all be in this together trying to grow our sport. And one thing we haven't had in our, in, in women's basketball consistently is transparency. Decisions are made behind closed doors with people who are considered the stakeholders that may have power, that may have, you know, whatever dynamic that gets them into that position. And then decisions are made around our sport and we're left in the dark. And so we're left to guess, like no one could be upset with us for saying, okay, maybe this is a reason, or maybe it's because of the selection committee, or maybe people are biased against Stanford, which hasn't had someone in the Olymp- on the Olympic team since when? When's the last time Tara had a... 1996 for the US team. Now, Alana Smith just made it, I believe, for, for Team Australia. But think of that. Yeah. I mean, the last on the US team from, from a pretty prominent program is Jennifer Azey and Katie Stetting. That was, that was a long time ago. Yeah. So there are a lot of things being thrown out there, but I, I think at the end of the day, all we're asking for is, you know, just tell us. Not about why everyone else didn't make the team, but Neka Gumake just negotiated a landmark CBA for the WNBA. She has been the voice for this league by far, far and beyond over the last year when it comes to social justice, when it comes to the Players Association fighting for equality on whatever level they feel like they want to or, vi- or voting rights or healthcare or whatever, like NECA's leadership, if nothing else, on a knee and a half, what she has done for this league, what she has contributed to USA basketball, even outside of the national team, to me, her entire resume, and you can say what you want about performance and all that stuff. NECA's a great player. And I could be being very, um, I don't know, I could be overconfident, but say NECA, it was still recovering from her knee sprain in the first you know, week or something of camp or was coming along slowly. Mm-hmm. We have depth on that roster. We have depth on USA roster. And I just believe that doing the right thing, not taking someone else off that deserves it, but putting someone on that list that deserves it more 
And NECA deserves it more than anyone on that roster, in my opinion, even over Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird, because they've been there. They've done that. They can say they've been to the Olympics. I, I just believe that NECA is, was that next person who was deserving to be a leader for our country and to be a part of that team. I agree. And I think it's also, you know, what you said about transparency is true. And also when explanations start contradicting each other, those are things that always put my antennas up. So if we are to believe, I mean, uh, there was nothing about what Dawn's answer was that didn't seem completely sincere to me. She said, I'm heartbroken. She's not on the team. And it's, it was the injury. Okay. So it's, I'm assuming then that's what the committee told her. Now, then the committee hasn't answered that she's wrong. They haven't really answered at all. Um, because again, they're, they generally don't want to comment on why people aren't on the team, but I wasn't given any indication that the injury wasn't the reason. Okay, if that's the case, then again, then it comes down to comparing why is it this case for one person and and this case for another person. So that's an inconsistency. Again, people may say, oh, it's because, well, Diana's going to come back sooner. Well, we're still assuming. We we are assuming. So we're giving one person the benefit of the doubt. And, and the other person, we're not giving the benefit of the doubt. And the person we're giving the benefit of the doubt's already been there four times. Yep. And the, you know, for, so for anybody, because there, there are people, you know, I know arguing and going nuts on Twitter about this. And some people are saying, well, NECA's, you know, this, te- this team's better. Everybody who made it's better than she is. Well, it seems like if the, if the injury is the reason, then USA Basketball thought she was going to be on. They, they were going to leave somebody off, right? Like if right. they're saying it's the injury, then one of those people wasn't going to wasn't going to be on anyway. That's a great right. point, Michelle. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> um, it's a great so point. Then you say to yourself, okay, if that's the case, then it all does really come down to um, this discrepancy in how you treat injuries. Yeah. If that's not the case, then don't tell us it was the injury. Say no, we just decided, you know she didn't make the cut uh, and then explain why she didn't make the cut. So um, I know they, um, uh, you know, another thing that I'm sure you've heard and, and, and I've heard over the years is, is once somebody's on the team, it's a difficult process. If you had to take them off the team, it's, it can be a little complicated. And so, you know, I've heard, well, maybe that was part of it too. And again, then I'm going to bring up, well, if, if it's a difficult process to take someone off and you're afraid that an injury might keep somebody from playing, why in the world did they name the two Olympic teams in 2012 and 2016 in April? Right. right? There's a lot of time for people to get hurt. Yeah. So that doesn't add up to me. It's a great point. Um, it, it, all of these things don't add up. And again, y- we're looking at the big picture and all of them happening to the same person and somebody whose integrity is beyond reproach. Somebody who's done everything right on the court, off the court. And USA basketball does have to make these decisions and has made them LaChina. And you, I know you have pointed this out before mm-hmm. people have made the team before um, because they kind of wanted to reward them. You know, I think we all know that we, they, yeah. they wanted to reward this person for their loyalty that maybe if it had been just a straight tryout, maybe they wouldn't have. So it's yes. they've yeah. done that. 
as Derek Fisher, though, said yesterday, she didn't, NECA didn't need like a charity, you know, case to get on this. I think she legitimately deserved to be on it. And then again, you look at what happened before, that's more evidence that she deserved this chance. They've done this you know, where, where they've had to disappoint people and they've had, they disappointed her twice before. Yeah. I, I think it yeah. was, and this will sound really harsh. It was somebody else's turn to get the disappointment this time. That's, that's, that's how I feel about it. And so she, well she did all that you can ask to, to do. Well, and um, I'm okay with a, a player being disappointed that has more opportunity ahead of them to make a team, right? NECA's 31, you know, she's getting up there in age, um, you know, and, and as you get older, it's just natural. Your body is, you know, your, your, your father time catches up with you, even though I know Diana and Sue don't make it look like that. Is it actually happening, aging backwards? But I would rather someone that has three or four more Olympic teams to make be disappointed than someone whose time is running out and has been a former MVP in the, in the WNBA. It's hard for me to even say that, but um, my last just quick thought, Michelle, I don't know the entire selection committee. Do you, I know Kurt Miller's on it. I know uh, Cheryl Reeve is on it. I know Gina Oriem is on it. Do you know who else is on that committee? Katie well, Smith. Katie, Katie Smith is on it. And then, uh, Bethany Donovan is on it um, okay. and Carol Callen. So, um, you know, no, nobody's suggesting that any of these folks are, you know, in any way um, not honorable people and want to do the right thing. But I think group think can take forms sometimes. Um, yeah. And I think people it's 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 natural that for people to have all of us have some biases against the people that we're closest to. And, yeah, and yeah. so I think that can get a little dangerous at times. And maybe that's, again, sounds like a harsh word, but um, what you said earlier about, you know, a, a younger person might have to t- deal with the disappointment. Again, I know I'm being a broken record. Neck has already done that twice. So she was told, hey, sorry, I know you're 22 and you're really good. Hey, sorry, I know you're 26 and you're really good. By the way, she's the MVP that year. Wait your turn one more time. Well, she doesn't have a lot of time left. And and I'll bring this up. I mean, she's 31 years old. What if she wants to have a, a child? You know, like what if she wants to have a family? Like there's a lot of things that can be um, going on in her life. Like we, we don't know. And this and, and, and I don't think that's wrong for USA basketball to be thinking about all those things. I mean, yeah. this is something they should be thinking about when you consider everything that players give up, yeah. you know, to, to want to do it and that she did it. Yeah. Um, she deserves, she deserves that consideration. Yeah. She deserves better than what she's been given. And yeah. I'll, and I will leave with this in, in terms of who's in the room when those decisions are made. I think there's a reason why we say you can't vote for your own players. I think there's a reason why when the NCAA selection process is happening, that if you are a coach or an administrator at a school that's being discussed for the field of 64, you have to leave the room. There are certain measures in place to make sure and not to say that you know, people don't have the ability to be objective, but as you mentioned, things that are close to the heart can often blur decision-making. 
And so when you look at how we can maybe do better, be better moving forward, that's something that should be considered because I do think that we have enough people in our sport who are great at evaluation, who understand the international game, who, who, who love the WNBA and they would be willing to serve in a capacity where um, the lines don't have to be blurred. Because I think that's the biggest issue here is that there seems to be some, some blurry lines when it comes to this team, how it's selected, the politics as Candace Parker called it, um, and some of the things that have happened along the way. And I'll just leave everyone with this. You know, we've gotten the question, and I've stayed away from this because I'm, I'm really happy for the young women that have made the team. So I've, I've stayed away from saying, oh, she should have been on instead of this player. I, in my honest opinion, like I said earlier, NECA deserved to be on this, on this team, number one, on my list, on my list, mm -hmm. right? So when people say, you know, well, who would you take off? My simple answer is this. Anyone that is not a, has not been a WNBA MVP, hasn't been a WNBA champion, six-time All-Star, four-time All-WNBA, four-time WNBA All-Defensive Team, two-time FIBA World Cup gold medalist in international competition, number one pick, rookie of the year, EuroLeague champion, WNBA president, and has been to every team USA camp in the last five years. Anyone that hasn't done that is fair game. And the list, I can promise you, is very, very, very small. So with that, Michelle, thank you so much for helping us to dissect this very difficult conversation. I know with you and I both on Twitter, it's hard to get our thoughts out about everything. And that's why I love podcasting because we get to get on and say everything we, we feel and, and really express ourselves in, in, in our entirety. So thank you so much to everyone. If you have any thoughts on this, please you know tweet us at Around the Rim Pod. Uh, Michelle is at Michelle V, right? Yes. Uh -huh. Okay. Michelle with an E. Don't forget about that. Um, and I am Latla China Robinson um, on Twitter as well to share your thoughts. And last but not least, Michelle, I, I do want to just express our condolences on behalf of Around the Rim because I know you experienced a, a huge loss uh, recently in, in your dog, Fiona. And we have a lot of pet owners that listen to our podcast um, and that um, felt a great deal of sympathy for you and our hearts were broken as you lost a very important member of your, of your family. So we want to just say that we're very sorry and our thoughts and prayers are with you. We'd love for you to share, if you don't mind, just a few words on, on Fiona. Yeah, she was, um, I, I, what I believe, and, and, and I know that uh, there are a lot of dog people out there, but whether you're a dog person or a cat person, or even if you're not either one, um, I think you, you probably know what I mean by this. Um, I think we learn something from every animal that we love and, um, or you know, every person that we love. And I, and what I learned from Fiona, even though it was very hard to think about this, um, and, and still is after losing her, but I I've kept it in my heart and I know that I'll always have it is to appreciate the little things every day and be joyful. Um, dogs are like, you know, they, they're magical. That's how they, I felt all my life. They're magical, but they're, they're all individuals. They all have their 
um, if you would say personality or dogonality. Um, and Fiona's um, personality was joy. She was just the happiest little girl. Um, and she just made every day joyful. Uh, what I, you know, always want to remember is that every day you can find something to be joyful about, you know, every single day, even when you're having the worst day, um, take a minute to find something that you can have an appreciation for, um, no matter what that is, you know, maybe it's the people around you, maybe it's your faith, maybe it's your dog, um, maybe it's the sunlight, um, maybe it's a, you know, a nice blanket you have, something that brings you joy, because she was always joyful. She was joyful when she woke up. She was joyful when she put her little head down to go to sleep. And I'll always cherish that and always remember that she brought that to me. Um, it's hard when that joy leaves your life, but she's always going to be in my heart. Very beautifully said. And we appreciate you sharing those sentiments with us. And again, we send our condolences that sweet little picture of Fiona on your Twitter. Every time I see it, it, um, you know, definitely brings a moment of reflection and a tear to my eye. So uh, our thoughts are with you. I know these months won't be easy, but just know that we find joy in the work that you do. And you are someone um, who brings that to our lives with your passion for our game. So thank you for always uh, joining us and sharing your love for the game, but also in this case, your love for Fiona. Thanks. I appreciate it. And thanks for, thanks for letting me share that about my girl. Thanks, Michelle.